Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. I want to dedicate this class. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I want to dedicate this class for Rafua Shalema for Zeb Wolf Ben Rachel Moshe Ben Hana Sara Leah Gitel Bas Sima and Rifka Gitel Bas Yehudas and all of those who need a Rafua Shalema. You can say the names quietly to yourselves, and this class should be a zechus for their speedy recovery. Um, so I just wrote a little bit of an introduction to the topic that we're going to uh, discuss. And I hope that we'll have some of your input and questions throughout this course. As I said, we're going to speak about the mitzvah of bitachon. And I just, uh, again, um, we're living in unprecedented times. More than ever, we need to develop our amuna and bitachon b'Hashem, our belief and, and trust in God above. First of all, we need to develop our trust that only he is running the world and knows what is best for mankind in general and for each of us individually. We need to face the future with optimism, gratitude, and positive thinking. And this will help us develop bitachon, though this is not bitachon. As Jews, we believe that Hashem has a plan for his world. The creator of this great project called mankind has a purpose. He's bringing us closer to this purpose through the pandemic. As we know, and it's been spoken about over and over again, that this pandemic has brought modern man to his knees, making him feel confused and out of control. Never before has the entire world been able to relate to the words of David HaMelech said in Tehillim, I lift up my eyes to the mountains from where does my help come from? My help comes from Hashem, creator of heaven and earth. Now, of course, there will always be those who chalk everything up to coincidence, randomness, the laws of nature, rational understandings. But this pandemic has made even those have to scratch their heads and wonder because so much of this doesn't make any sense. We're beginning anew the reading of the Torah, which teaches that man and God are partners in creating this world. That only man of all creations was endowed with the ability to choose. Only man was given the free will, to free will the Bechira, to recognize his creator for his and the world's benefit or deny his existence to the world's detriment on both a macro and micro level. The benefits of Amun and Bitachon are many, and neither are easy or simple to acquire. As a great rabbi once said, truth is simple, but man makes many calculations. In this course, what we're going to try to do is dissect and try to understand what the nature of Bitachon and its benefits are. We are going to try and bring it down to a practical level of how to acquire this important mida, this important mitzvah, 
and implement it into our lives. We're going to use the writings from a Muslim perspective of many that you know of, the Altar of Kelm, Rav Volba, Rav Dessler, and of course the Chobot HaLevavot, which was written a thousand years ago by Ibrahim Ibn Ben Pakuda, who really, from my readings um, in Rabbi Miller's book, which is called, Rabbi Avigdor Miller wrote a book called On Emunah and Bitachon, a very interesting read. He says that it was really uh, this Rabbi Ibn Ben Pakuda in Chovod HaLevavo, Duties of the Heart, that put this mitzvah bitachon in everybody's face and made it something that the rabbis and uh, Torah literature discusses from that time forward in a very, um, you know, um, emphasized way and uh, very broad. It, it appears everywhere because of him. In that Sefer, Rav Avraham Ibn Ben Pakuda asks, what is bitachon? And he goes on to discuss what is needed in order to be able to rely on a human being absolutely. And he talks about the idea that in order for a person to truly rely and put all of his trust in somebody, he would have to have certain requirements. And we're going to go through that at some point. But the idea is, is that he says that if you look at these requirements for, to put your complete and ultimate trust in a human being, you will not be able to find any, you will not be able to find all of them in any one person. And what he concludes is that the only place where you will find all of these requirements are in God himself. And that's why, logically speaking, it makes sense to put one's trust there and nowhere else. The Vilna Gaon says that underlying all of the 613 mitzvahs in the Torah is the concept of bitachon. There are many reasons why the Torah, why the, the, the Chumash, which we are reading this week, Bereshi, begins with an enlarged bet. Um, you know, one, for example, is the illusion of the fact that we really have two Torahs, the Torah Shebichtav and the Torah Shebalpeh, the written Torah and the oral Torah. Another is that life is full of duality, right? Lightness and light and dark, good and evil. But I was thinking perhaps the bet also represents bitachon, that if the Vilna Gaon is telling us that every single mitzvah requires bitachon, then perhaps the Torah is telling us that we have to begin with this bet. I mentioned this idea before, and I think it uh, goes together also with the idea that the Torah begins with a bet. Rabbi Raphael Levine, the son of Rabbi Arya Levine, told me this personally when I was in Israel. Um, and he said, he asked me the question, what, what are the first five? He said, the first five letters of the Aleph Bet spell the word De'aga. Aleph Bet, Gimel, Dalit, Hey. So you have De'aga, Dalit, Aleph, Gimel, Hey. I wrote it down here. Dalit Aleph Gimel Hey. So he said, but one letter is missing. Daga means worries. And he said, the letter that's missing is a bet. Because when you are chaser bet, when you are missing the letter bet, when you're missing bitachon, then you are going to have daga. You're going to have daiga, as they say in Yiddish. You're going to have many worries. 
So one of the ways, one of the reasons that we want to acquire bitachon, even for our own selfish reasons, is because we're told that bitachon will give us greater tranquility in life and serenity. For those of us who are natural worriers, perhaps it'll be a antidote to worrying less. There's a great uh, quote I heard from Rav Gav, who says, he talks about trust, about bitachon, and he says, there's two things in life you should never worry about. One is something you can change. If it's something you can change, then go out and do something about it, right? That makes sense. And he says, the second thing not to worry about is something you can't change. If you can change it, change it. And if you can't change it, then what is worrying going to help you with it? How does worrying help? We think that perhaps just by worrying about the thing, we're doing something. But of course, we know that all we're doing is hurting ourselves and it is toxic. And it is certainly not an expression of bitachon. So what is bitachon? And what's the difference between emuna and bitachon? So emuna and bitachon are related. Um, and and I, by the way, I'm going to be using the source of the book called Emuna the Bitachon by the Chazon Ish. And the little bit of research that I was doing last night reveals that the Chazon Ish has his particular view on what bitachon is. But there are other rabbis, for example, Rabbeinu Yonah and others that have a different um, understanding of bitachon. But at this point, we're going to use um, throughout this class, we're going to be basing the definition of bitachon on the chazon ishes, okay? But I want you to know that there are other opinions, and we will bring those up later. Okay, so emuna is a general belief in God, that there's a higher power. And of course, we know that if you, you know, walk around the world today and you would interview people, you know, do you believe in God? Many, many people would say, yes, they believe in God. They believe in a higher power. You know, they, they, they believe in something transcendental, whether they name it or they can't. Um, and that is a level of belief. However, Itachon is taking your belief what you know about God, the creator, and actually putting that belief into practice. So it's taking this theoretical understanding of God, or not, you know, the idea of God being the creator, the sustainer of the world, and the one who supervises the world, down to the most minute detail of every leaf we say that falls from a tree, is only because the creator says leaf fall, it's knowing that intellectually, but what bitachon is, is living with that reality. Integrating what you know into how you behave, how you respond. So again, emuna is a general perspective. It's the tree. The Rambam explains that emuna is represented and symbolized by the tree. There are many people, he says, who have emuna, but have no bitachon. Bitachon is compared to the fruits of the tree. There are people who have emuna 
and no bitachon, but there's no such thing as somebody with bitachon who doesn't have emuna. In other words, there's no such thing as the fruits of the tree without the trunk of the tree. So you can have emuna without bitachon and live your whole life like that, but it is impossible, as I said, to have bitachon without having emuna, without having that primary belief in a greater and higher power. So on a very basic level, bitachon is the practical. It's how do I respond when things are going well in my life, when things are going not well in my life, when I have worries, when I have things that upset me, how do I respond as somebody who has emuna, as somebody who has and claims to have this belief in our creator, which again can, be, can remain very much in the head and very apart from how we live our lives. Does my amuna affect my behavior and my emotional reality? When all my kids are home for yantan and the house is a mess and nobody's helping, does my bitachon have any role to play in that kind of scenario? When we're challenged with a situation, as I said, do we have bitachon? Each one of us has our own situations that create anxiety that create worry. So how calm do we remain in these kind of situations? And, and how does this reflect the bitachon that we have in Hashem when things are going on around us that we don't necessarily like? Or something some, some project results in, a, in an end product that is not the way we envisioned it, whether it's people in our lives, whether it's, um, work-related, whether it's, you know, desire for promotion when it comes to a job opportunity. How do we respond when things don't go the way we want them to? So our goal is to integrate this mida of bitachon, this mitzvah of bitachon, into our psyche and into our everyday practical life. So I will be quoting Dina Schoonmaker, who's uh, a lot of these notes are based on. And one of the things that she brings forth is that a person doesn't really know where they're holding in bitachon until we're being tested. We can think that we have a very nice level of bitachon Hashem, trust in Hashem, until we are tested in those areas that trigger us. When we're not challenged, we can think we're on a very high level of bitachon, and, but we're not really practicing bitachon because we're not being challenged. So what we want to do is look for small situations in our day where we can exercise this bitachon muscle and see ourselves growing in a real way. Okay. So the altar of Kelm, who was a Talmud of Rav Yisrael Salant, who began the Muslim movement, he writes, Bitachon is a basic thing, but we have to work very hard to acquire it. Rav Dessler, another rabbi who lived in this century and wrote many works on character development and Jewish philosophy, says, Bitachon is a real challenge. It has a very elusive nature, and it's not easy to acquire. 
It's not enough to speak about it, he says. To just chirp about bitachon is easy. We make the mistake that by talking about it, by saying everything's going to be okay, everything's going to work out well, everything's going to be fine, that this is what bitachon is. But it's not true, he says. Bitachon is a very difficult thing. You have to pull it inside. You have to pull it in to bring it inside of you. He compares it to a fishing rod, that you have to catch it and pull it in. Tie it inside yourself, he says, so it won't run away from you like a bird. Bitachon has to be acquired through action. Your responses have to be worked on. It's a skill. Okay, so we're going back to the basic principle of character development and um, this foundational idea that I brought up in all of the classes that deal with working on our character. And that is the idea, as all of you know, is that we are created with what we call chomer. Chomer are the raw materials that Hashem gives each one of us. The constellation of character strengths and character weaknesses that make each of us unique and completely and absolutely unique from the beginning of creation up until this time in history, which tells us that only the work that we do can be done by us and that what we do is extremely important because we are the only one who can accomplish it. Each one of us has a different measure, mida, of, again, strengths and weaknesses, which is called our homer. And then we have something called sura. Sura is something that's in our hands. This is where our free will kicks in, our bechira, that makes us human. Hashem gives us these raw materials, but we are expected to take them and mold them and make ourselves into something from them, using both our positives and our negatives to become better, to become an improved, improved product. And of course, I, I like to quote my mother. I'm sure she got this from somewhere else. But it very pithily is summed up in the phrase, who I am is God's gift to me, but who I become is my gift to God. And that's the spiritual work. We also, I like to quote Bacha Gallant, who says, spiritual um, accomplishment is not covered, is not, is not um, characterized by goal reached, but by distance covered. So we're all meant to cover distance in our short lifetime. And only Hashem can judge, first of all, where it is that we started from, what are those unique negative character traits that got in our way? What are the positive traits that could pull us out and help us to develop ourselves and, and bring those weaknesses up um, and, 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 and um, sorry, and um, turn them into a positive direction? And only Hashem knows how, where we started and how far we moved. And that's why no human being can judge another human being. Nobody knows the other person's issues and difficulties in terms of situations in their lives, but even in terms of their internal uh, conflicts. 
that go on daily from the moment we open our eyes in the morning till the moment we close them at night. Each one of us is unique in that way. So how does Homer and Surah play out when it comes to this Mida of Bitachon? Are some people naturally born with more Bitachon? Are some people naturally born with serenity and tranquility and the belief in Hashem that he's running the world and running my world? Or is that something that we just would call an optimistic person? So we're going to explore that a little bit. So So in my class, where, where many of you attended on the class Simcha Sachayim, talked about, you know, happiness in life, we talked about the fact that in terms of Homer, there are some people who are just born with more Simcha, right? There's children, babies that from the time they come into the world, you know, we say about them, she was born with a smile on her face, right? And then you have the opposite, right? The kid who's just you know, cranky and, and, and you got to drive around the car, you know, all day long to get them to go to sleep. And, and you look at them the wrong way and they start crying. So, you know, then there's other people who are just born into this world, right? They know through no choice of their own. And it's really, really hard for them to put a smile on their face. It's really, really hard for them to see the silver lining and the positives, right? I'll tell you a, another story about my mother, which is always, which is always my spin on, or on, which is always an incredible example of somebody who puts a spin on the positive. And we can all take this idea into our day. She was once driving carpool and the grandchildren were in the car. And one of them, you know, was looking at her, I guess, in the mirror. And she said, Bubby, you have so many wrinkles. And my mother, with a big smile, looked, smiled back at them in the, in the rearview mirror, and she said, aren't I lucky? And, of course, they were totally confounded, and she said, you know, everybody gets to be young. Not everybody gets to be old. So, you know, that's just a classic answer of the optimist, of somebody who turns things and spins things around to be positive. But is that bitachon? Is that what we're talking about? Not necessarily. Okay. So it's important to be optimistic and it's important to be positive and it certainly helps us get through life and it helps us with our bitachon. And we should work on positivity and gratitude and all of those things that positive psychology and of course the Torah has been teaching us from the beginning of time tells us that this will make our life richer, that good things will come to us, the laws of attraction by being positive and upbeat, that we'll notice the good. And all of these things are very important. Um, and we said in the class on Simcha Sahayim that there are two ways to really work on Simcha if you aren't naturally the Simcha. One was that um, to work on being happy with what you have, right? Sameach Bechalko. And we said that um, this helps you to rise above the heaviness in, in life. Remember the eagle? The eagle had two wings. We said one was this eagle, this heavy bird that's able to fly higher than all the other birds, 
The way he gets there, we said, is through these two wings. The first being working on acknowledging and appreciating what we already have. Because if we don't enjoy what we already have, then like we said, who says that tomorrow when we get A, B, or C, we're going to be enjoying that any more than what we have right now? So what we have, the present moment, is really all that we have. So we have to work on that constantly, wanting what we have and seeing the good in it, enjoying it. And the second one, of course, we said was simcha mitzvos, that the fact that we have this incredible opportunity, and as human beings, we are the only creation that has this, to be able to connect ourselves to Hashem through his mitzvot, through making good choices, this should also give us simcha. But that's not our topic. Our topic is, Revolba says, that some people, as their homer, have this natural optimism. They're the type of people that say, things are going to work out. The bank's going to be open. My day is going to go smoothly. And people like this, they have a very good homer when it comes to being optimistic. However, what he says is this mita of being optimistic can actually work against doing the work of acquiring bitachon. If a person is naturally optimistic and positive and everything's going to be good and everything's going to be wonderful and, you know, etc., what Ravova is telling us is this looks like bitachon, but this is not real bitachon. And it can actually work against a person to acquire what the real thing is because you can think you have acquired bitachon because of the fact that you are a positive person. So for example, if a person's in a situation where the future is unknown and there's two paths in front of him and one is good and one is not so good, oh, there's a misconception that bitachon means I should think that only the good will happen. And people think this is what bitachon is. Everything will work out. Another way of putting this is everything's going to work out the way I planned, the way I envisioned things to go. Everything's going to be great. And the idea there is then if, if there's any thought that the same person has that maybe it's not going to work out, well, then maybe they don't have itachon, right? If I think, oh, no, you know, maybe this isn't going to go the way I want. Maybe this isn't going to be, you know, what I thought it was going to be, then obviously I don't have bitachon. Bitachon would be, yes, it's going to work out. Yes, it's going to be great. I always tell the story of Rabbi Pesach Kron, who talks about the fact that he lost his father very young in life. I think he was about 14. And he ended up having to become the breadwinner of the family at a very young age. He was the oldest son. And he tells a story about how he, his father was very sick and he was together with the rabbi, with, with some very hushed rabbis. And they were asking him about his father. And he said, oh, you know, I know my father's going to get better. I have bitachon. I have bitachon that my father's going to get better. And the rabbis very gently corrected him. And they said, you know what, Pesach, that is not, that is not bitachon. Bitachon is whatever happens is, is, is the way it's supposed to be. 
is, is good. So, you know, you have two paths in front of you and you're saying, you know, the path that, that, that is the good path, that's what's going to happen. And I know because I have bitachon. Well, how do you know? You're not a Navi. You don't know the future. That's not the correct definition of bitachon to say, I know it's going to be good. The natural optimist thinks that everything's going to work out. But the question that you have to ask is, why are you so sure? The real bitachon, and I'm going to read a few definitions for you, but here's a very simple and succinct one. The real bitachon is the belief that there is no coincidence in the world. That everything that happens on a ma macro and a micro level is from Hashem. I'll just read you a short paragraph from Rabbi Miller's book because I like the way he puts it here and he has many ways of explaining it throughout the book. Bitachon is a branch of Amuna, of believing in Hashem. But it's not merely the belief that there is a creator who made the world, who conducts the affairs of the world. Bitachon means a riper understanding that Hashem is in control of every detail of the history of the world, as well as the personal history of people's lives. Through bitachon, we understand that whatever happens to us is planned by Hashem, sometimes in order to reward, sometimes in order to punish, or to remind us to improve our ways. But whatever is being done, is being done for a kindly and beneficial purpose. That is what bitachon means. We spoke about this a little bit when we were coming up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We spoke about din. We said that din is a gift. That din, there's nothing, no greater gift that God can give us than din in our day, din in our life. We said that din hopefully can come through small little things, right? And the example the Gemara gives is that, you know, if you put your hand in your pocket and you're reaching for some change and you pull out the wrong change, that's called suffering on a very, you know, small, small level. The fact that you didn't pull out the change that you wanted, that's called suffering. Or you put on a shirt backwards by mistake and you have to take it off and reverse it and put it on the right way. That's the example the Gemara gives of din, okay? So little things that happen in our day, if we recognize and we say what we said before Rosh Hashanah, we, we were coming up to the idea that the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah is to, to make God your king. In other words, that God is in control of my life. And so we said that whenever you have little bits of din in your day, you can say the words under your breath, Hashem Hu HaMelech. God is the king. I don't control everything. I just tripped on the sidewalk. I just, you know, got to the bank and I was two minutes late and they closed it. Whatever it is, Hashem Hu HaMelech. And when we work to accept these small types of din in our day, then God willing, we don't need any kind of bigger types of din. 
So that's one of the exercises that I'd like you to work on. Okay, I wanna to read to you now from, um, also just to interject here from Duties of the Heart, Hovoda Levavot, a great safer, a great muster safer. Actually the first book that I ever got, I was not yet religious and I was about 18 and a friend of mine had become very religious and in his attempt to make me um, more interested in Yiddishkeit, he sent me this two-volume archaic uh, book called Hovod Halavavot in the Mail, which I received and like was totally dumbfounded and confused. But, you know, it was full of thou arts and all kinds of other flowery type of English translation. And I didn't really know what to make of it, but it did come in handy many years later when I finally uh, came to my senses and joined the tribe in the true way. So um, here is what it says in that book on trust. What is trust? Why do we want this? It is tranquility of soul in the one who trusts, hearty reliance on the one in whom he trusts, that the latter will do what is right and proper in the matter of the trust, to the extent of his ability and knowledge, for the benefit of the one who trusts. The essence of his trustfulness is his sure confidence that the person in whom he trusts will fulfill what he promised and execute what he pledged himself to do. And then even in matters wherein he made no promise nor gave no pledge, has it in mind to benefit the one who trusted him. And all this out of pure benevolence and kindness. Okay, so here the Hovodolavod is talking about trust and they're, they're using a human being. But if you could find a human being like this, well, this would certainly bring you tranquility of the soul. Somebody who you can rely on, who's going to do what's right and proper for you to the extent of his ability and knowledge. He's gonna be able to execute whatever it is that you need, right? He's got all the resources. He's got all the connections to be able to make what you need to happen, happen. And even those things that he didn't promise or pledge, he wants to benefit you so much that you don't even necessarily know about things that you need, but out of pure benevolence and kindness, this one who you rely on is going to take care of it. Okay. So we are going back to this idea that um, to be an optimist can sometimes actually get in the way of bitachon, because a person who's a natural optimist who says everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be wonderful, is not, that's not necessarily bitachon, okay? The real bitachon is the belief that there's no coincidence in this world and that everything happens, happens from Hashem. But more than that, it's that anything that happens is not coincidental and taking it another step further 
It's all being done for me for my best. Okay, I'm just trying to understand this. Okay, so. Okay. So the idea of bitachon is that sometimes, and this is from the Chazonish, sometimes Hashem has something else in mind for us, which is for our good, even if we can't fathom it. And what Bitachon does is it prepares us for when things are not the way we would have chosen them to be. It gives us resilience for when things don't go the way we want it. The natural optimist has an idea of how things will work out for him. It will be beautiful, it will be rosy and bright. And that's okay, it's important to be optimistic, but not about the picture, and I'm gonna explain this, but you should be optimistic about the frame. The picture might not always be the picture that you envision, but the frame is always something that you should be positive about. In other words, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know necessarily that it's going to be the way I want it to be or even feel good the way I want it to feel. But whatever does happen is framed in gold, specifically chosen for me. And this is based on the idea because Hashem loves me and he knows what's best for me. Now, you know, it's easy to talk about this. I know that. It's a lot easy. It's a lot harder when you're going through difficult situations or when you're going through even your own negative mind um, set or working through issues in your life. It's very difficult when it comes to difficult situations to say Hashem loves me and this is all for the best and this is all for my good. You know, we can give a million examples. We know that when we take the bitter medicine, it doesn't taste good, but we know that it's doing its job, right? We know that if you look through a window of a woman in the middle of labor before she's giving birth, you'd yell and scream, would somebody get in there and help that woman? Who's, tr- who's killing her? What's going on in there? Because we don't know, right? We don't know that there's a baby that's about to be born. So we have many, many examples intellectually of the fact that we live in chapter two, we don't know what happened in chapter one. Chapter one could be when we were in a Shama up in Shemayim before we came into the world with the tikkunim, with the repair that was going to be necessary in this world to be able to leave this world in a much better way. We don't know what happens in chapter three. We can talk about Olam Haba. We can say it's worth suffering in this world because you're going to get it good in the next world. And we can have a lot of very lofty ideas about things. But when we're in chapter two, when we're in the present, and we're dealing with stuff, it's very, very difficult to say, Hashem loves me, and this is all good for me, and thank you so much. 
and I chose this even according to the Chida, we choose all of our trials and tribulations. We choose the family we're born into. We choose the siblings we have. We choose the difficult times because, like I like to say, we're going for the gold. You know, before we come down into this world, we say, hey, I'm going to go for the gold medal. Why not? I can do this. But let's face it, when we're in the situation and we're going through our, we're being pulled down by our natural negative reactions, or we're not that person that was born with the natural smile on our face, bitachon is a skill that, that requires consistent, diligent work. You know, when you practice the piano, the more you practice it, the better a pianist you become. I watched something recently where they showed three different types of musicians and how far they got to in terms of the music world. And it concluded basically that everybody who went to the top was only because they had more hours of practice than the others. And believe me, they all practiced their whole lives, but that's what made the difference. So this too is a practice, it's a discipline. Thank you, Marlene. Sorry to hear you see you go too, and thank you so much. Okay, um, have a good week. Um, so again, what's bitachon? The bitachon is whatever you're worried about right now. Whatever, whatever is Rita, you need to mute, honey. Thanks. Um, you know, whatever your difficulties are right now in your life, whatever it is, getting your kid into a certain school, a health situation, marriage, worrying about your kids getting married, worrying about your kids staying sane with the situation that's going on. Um, we can still pray and make efforts for the things that we want to change, of course. But the frame idea is that we're looking for bitachon in small situations. For example, we want the day to go smoothly. We want someone in our family to come home in a good mood. We, we're planning that things should go well. And the more we practice having bitachon in the small things, that everything that happens, whether it's a picture that we like in this frame or a picture that we don't particularly like, um, it's all from Hashem and it's all good. And it's all for our benefit. So let's ask another question. Is it a lack of trust if I feel sad about something that didn't go my way? Am I allowed to feel that way? If I, had, if I was a real ba'alat bitachon, why would I be sad? I know that everything Hashem does is for my good. I know that Hashem loves me. I know that he only wants to give me good. I know that sometimes a patch is the best thing for my kid or time out or whatever it is that we do as parents for our children, not giving them the keys to the car, right? I know that that is important. And so why is it so hard for me to understand this concept when it comes to Hashem? Right? That out of love, he may cause certain things to happen in my life so that I learn 
or I fix, or I go on a different path, or I develop my amun and bitachon even, if that's what we're in this world to do, right? We get credit. We get credit. Not only in this world will we see the credit, because our lives will be more tranquil and serene. We get credit in the next world where it really counts for working on this, for exercising this muscle of saying, everything is in the hands of heaven, not just the big things, not just Jewish history, not just this pandemic, but my response to it, my response to it in a bitachon type of way is, is counts. It changes not only me, but it changes the world around me. And it brings the world closer to its, to its completion, which only man can do together with God, right? Again, we, if you go through Chumash, uh, Parsha Bereshis, it's all about this idea that man and God are partners, that Hashem created us to help him finish, finish the world. Okay, um, so what happens if I don't feel happy, though? I'm sad. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. It's the way, it didn't go the way it should have gone, right? So back to this principle of Musser development, which to me I think is so freeing and so important, which is that we are not responsible for our primary responses. This is not where our Bechira is. We are triggered. We are human beings. Some of us are naturally sad. Some of us are naturally angry. Some of us are naturally impatient. Some are naturally stingy. Some of us are naturally critical. Some of us are naturally judgmental. Some of us are too generous. Some of us are too open-minded. Whatever it is, the point is, is that we have a certain primary response that comes from our natural state of being. That's our tzura, that's our homer, right? And we're triggered by different things. So if we're sad or angry or upset, the Musser Rabbanim teach us that we're not responsible for our primary response, but we are responsible for our secondary response. And that's where our Bechira kicks in. That's where our free will choice becomes crucial. You know, there's a famous saying by, um, what's his name? The Holocaust survivor. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the name escapes me, but he has a, a quote that a lot of people like to quote that between the moment of, um, between the moment of, um, the situation and the response is where one's free will lies. And it's true on a very high level that when you reach a high level, your primary response will become automatically the better response and the best response. And we all know that, right? That when you really worked and mastered on something that you've worked on, you know, you don't want to get angry. You're going to count to 10. You're going to go to your room when you're feeling overwhelmed. You're going to do something differently so that you don't respond in your normal, primitive, primary way. It is possible to get to that point where your primary response <laughs> is exactly the same as your secondary. 
Frida, I don't know if you hear me, but you're not muted. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Thanks. Um, and of course, the great people, and especially great Gedolim, people of our people, right? Our Rabbanim, our people that we revere. These are people whose primary responses, who have mastered themselves to such a degree that their primary response is the higher response. But for the rest of us plebeians and the rest of us benonim and the rest of us regular people, right? It's a great break that we get when we're told that our primary response is not necessarily something that we're accountable for, but that we are not, so to speak, it's not up to you to complete the work, but you're not free from doing all you possibly can. We are judged by our secondary response because that's where we're taking our homer, our raw material, and we're forming it into something. We're creating a beautiful sculpture, the tzura. We're creating a beautiful form. Vayitzer Adam, we were created, right? Vayitzer has two yuds in it, which symbolize Yetzer Tov, Yetzer Hara. Each one of us is a composition and comp uh, of both of these forces. And our work, which is a difficult work as a human being, is to channel both the negative and the positive towards connection to Hashem, to use the negative force and turn it. You know, very simple example, right? David Melech was born, King David was born under this, the red star under, under Mars. And he had a naturally hot temperament, natural, passionate uh, personality, people with passion. A lot of times their flip side is anger, right? The same person who's passionate can have trouble being compassionate. So what did Devon Amelith do? He turned it towards becoming a warrior in the name of Hashem. Or, you know, somebody can become a shoichet. He loves the sight of blood. He, he likes to kill. So, you know, become a kosher butcher, right? This is the idea of turning things in the direction that you want them to go. Okay. The question is not that you're sad or you're angry or you're upset. The question is how long do you stay in that primary response? The question is not that you're angry at another person because they insulted you, because they did you wrong, because they didn't say things the way they should have or done things the way they should have. The question is, how long do you stay in that place of regesh, of feeling, of toxic feeling, where again, it's like you're, you're pouring the poison for the other person, but you're drinking it yourself. That's where free will kicks in. How long is it going to take you to move out of that primary response into a secondary response that is elevating, that is freeing, that may not be about being right, but might be about being righteous? It's normal for me to grieve when things don't go my way. I'm allowed to feel sad. But the purpose of Bitachon is to figure out how to conduct myself after that primary response. For example, when a person is in a situation that requires bitachon, right? Something happened that was out of our control. And this situation requires bitachon. You're supposed to exercise that muscle and you don't. 
you stay in that primary response of, oh, this is so disappointing. I'll never forgive this. I'll never, this, this child's such a disappointment to me, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll, I'll be angry and upset about this. You know, I could have prevented this. I could have done things differently. I, all the things that we do to beat ourselves up, right? So be tough on is getting past these feelings. The purpose of be tough one is to help me, to rehabilitate me, and to help me heal. It's normal, like I said, to grieve when things don't go the way we want, but we shouldn't let it affect our quality of life. So again, we don't deny our primary response. It's actually a psychological problem if a person is always saying, everything's going to be great, everything's going to be good, everything's wonderful, everything's wonderful. It's called disassociation, when a person is not in touch with their feelings, right? It usually comes back to bite them. But the point is, is disassociation is a problem when a person doesn't feel emotion, right? Obviously, it can, in extreme cases, allow others to abuse them. And, you know, to not feel the emotions is a way of coping. But the wise person feels the pain, feels the emotions. I just listened to, because I'm taking this coaching course, by the way, anybody who wants some free coaching, be in touch. I need to get hours for my coaching course. So uh, if you're interested in it, letting me practice on you. But anyway, one of the things that we watch is about emotions. I wish I knew which one it was. You could watch it. Um, and basically, overwhelming emotions... They last, they say, for about 90 seconds at their highest level. And the way that this woman psychologist describes it is she said that most people can't handle it even for that long. And instead of learning how to just, first of all, recognize how short it really is or can be the actual emotion, if you would ride that wave, you'd actually come out much more... Uh, whole, shall we say, than if you repress the emotion or fight the emotion or judge the emotion. And so the idea, again, is the wise person allows themselves to feel the emotion, right? So much of why we don't is from our childhoods, right? It's because we weren't validated. It's because we have parents that said, what are you talking about? That's silly. Why do you feel that way? Everything's going to be great. What are you worried about? Whatever it is, right? I don't know if you have parents like that, but, you know, get over it. Move along. So, you know, a lot of people grew up with this. I mean, today we have an excess of maybe drowning in the emotions and, you know, the whole self-esteem thing, but there is a happy balance. Renee, you're on, you're not muted. Renee, can you mute yourself? Okay, we're going to end. This is the last point. So with the wise person feels sadness or grief or disappointment. The, the proper response is for us after we feel the emotion to say, there is a view from here that I'm supposed to see. There is some valid reason that Hashem is putting me in this position to see this view, if you like, this picture, this view from my window. And I'm supposed to see this. 
So be tough one helps us to be able to do this, to recognize that there's no such thing as purposeless pain. And that the bitachon is there to help us heal. Okay, we're going to end there today. I really went right till the end. Thank you for joining. And if there's any questions, you can write me, write me in the chat or email me, devoravale at yahoo.ca. I wanted to mention, I'm thinking of get, doing another class on Monday mornings. It would be through the Clanton Park WhatsApp group. Um, you can email me at devoravale at yahoo.ca if you want to get onto that WhatsApp group. It has recordings of this class on it. And I'm possibly thinking of going through tefillah, um, Shmona Esrei in particular. It's a little more advanced, um, but everybody's welcome. And um, I'll discuss more of the details. Either I'll start next week or the week after, but God willing, if there's enough uh, interest. So I'll try to do a Monday morning class as well. Okay, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful fall weather. Get outside. Look at the leaves. Realize how much Hashem loves you, even when it hurts. And we're all works in progress. We're all working. And that's just the way. That's, this is the world of toil. This is Olam. Olam, where we get to work hard and hopefully, God willing, reap all the rewards, not only in the next world, but even in this world, hopefully we get to see some of the fruits of our labors, which are just a taste of how important this work Amen. is and how much uh, Hashem holds from the, and he's with us. He's with us right next to us. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank okay, you for a great week, a great Shabbos, and we'll see you, Mary Hashem, next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.